0: Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 25 of Real Estate Investing in New York with me, Christina Kramidis. And in this episode, we are talking all about land lease buildings. So stay tuned, we're covering everything here. welcome back guys thank you so much for being here for another episode of real estate investing in New York I know that a ton of people are interested in understanding this topic of land lease buildings in New York City and I'm going to be explaining the entire thing on this episode as well as the financial implications that land lease buildings have and everything that you need to know to decide if a land lease building is right for you quickly a reminder to make sure that you are subscribed to my channel whether you're listening on the podcast or on the YouTube channel please make sure that you're a subscriber. This helps the apps to realize that you are enjoying this content. It will show the content to more people and the whole goal is to reach as many people as possible with this free real estate investing information. So land lease buildings in New York City, they are definitely a little bit complicated, something that purchasers are always asking about. Land lease buildings, as the name suggests, are buildings that lease the land that they sit on. This may be a surprise because most of the people that live in New York City are leasing their apartments, but it's very, very, very rare for a building to be leasing It's land. Most residential buildings in New York City own the land that they sit on and the building has what's called an underlying mortgage. When that's the case, as is the case when you have a mortgage, you make mortgage payments every single month for the duration of your mortgage and at the end of your mortgage, you own your property and your mortgage payments stay the same for the entire length of your mortgage. That's the case with most of the residential buildings in New York City. They own the land that they sit on. They have underlying mortgages, which they are paying off regularly. And at the end of that mortgage, they own the land. And this is considered a very stable situation for a residential building. When it comes to land lease buildings, there are actually probably fewer than 100 land lease buildings in all of the city, which is very rare. And these buildings do not have underlying mortgages. These buildings are renting the land that they sit on. These buildings have leases for the land that they sit on. So these buildings are making lease payments to whoever the landowner is. And because of that, usually the maintenance in these buildings is higher than the average in the area. And instead of property tax being part of the maintenance payment that you're paying, in most regular buildings, part of your maintenance payment is property taxes. Since these land lease buildings do not own the land that they sit on, they do not have property tax payments that they're paying, they're paying a lease. So because of that, if you're in a co-op building that's a land lease building, you're likely going to have a smaller amount of that maintenance that you're able to write off during tax season. Usually you're able to write off the full amount of your maintenance that is the property taxes up to, of course, the caps, which have recently been changed coming down from the tax laws, which is an accounting conversation. But yeah, when you're in a land lease building and you're paying maintenance, you're actually not paying property tax. So it does affect what you can write off but really that's kind of like the least important thing that you need to know about land lease buildings really what you want to know about land lease buildings is the greater implications that it does have on you financially that you could run into that would significantly impact you when the lease for this land lease building does expire so when these leases are negotiated for residential buildings especially sizable ones these leases are often very long so unlike a residential lease that you or I might sign that's like for a year or two, these buildings are signing leases that are between 50 and 100 years long. So imagine the change in value of the land, like what a lease payment would be 100 years later from when this thing was signed. So that's what we're dealing with when we look at these land lease buildings. So if you're a purchaser and you're looking at a land lease building, you currently know what the payment is for the leased land on a monthly basis. But a very important thing that you need to know when you're looking at a land lease building is when does this land lease expire? Because if it's expiring fairly soon, you know, maybe within the next. 10 years or so then you have an imminent financial change coming up because there's a very good chance that when this lease expires they're going to need to either renegotiate a new lease term at a new price granted now it's 100 years later or 50 years later so you're probably going to have a higher lease price moving forward or the other option is that the building could try to purchase the land that it sits on both of these scenarios scenarios are going to be extremely costly to unit owners so it's really something that you need to know and understand most of new york city's land lease buildings exist in battery park city and they also exist in midtown that's just where they tend to be centralized there are others but those are the main areas where you'll find them Battery Park City is fairly recent with respect to the buildings that went up. Battery Park City, most of those buildings are on leased land. Their maintenance is a little bit higher, but the good thing about the buildings in Battery Park City is that these leases were negotiated fairly recently, so most of them aren't expiring until around 2060, the year 2060. So you have a decent amount of time left on those land leases. You know, if a land lease is expiring between 2050 and 2060 you essentially have like an entire lifetime of a 30-year mortgage before you would ever have to worry about that land getting renegotiated or what would happen with that land so you're going to have a very easy time with that it probably won't affect you at all in the entire lifetime of your ownership so that's less of a concern you have more of a concern when the building has a lease that's expiring within like five or 10 years because that means that during the time that you own that property this is going to happen this lease is going to expire and the building is going to need to figure out what they are going to do when that happens So there are two options, like I mentioned earlier. The building can renew their lease and try to negotiate a desirable price for the lease moving forward, which most likely is gonna be more expensive than what it is today. So you know that you have a jump in maintenance coming up at the bare minimum. The other option that could occur, which is kind of better for the building in the long run, but not for unit owners in the short term, is they would want to try to purchase the land that the building sits on this land is expensive as you could probably assume given that the price of an apartment is at least a million dollars usually imagine what a couple of hundred unit buildings land like all that area is going to cost it's going to be a lot of money we're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars usually within like five years or a little bit more um, prior to this expiration happening the building is going to start making very public information available to unit owners letting them know like where their negotiations are headed what they think they're going to be trying to do and try to give people as much of a heads up as possible as far as what their financial obligations are going to be to make this happen because if the building wants to purchase the land it's going to be up to the unit owners to come up with the money. That's the crazy thing. So if the building decides to purchase the land, what very often will happen is that they will assess unit owners, which an assessment means it's an additional payment in addition to maintenance that unit owners are obligated to pay. These assessments that come in when a building is trying to purchase the land that it sits on could be as high as like half a million dollars or more. It's really expensive. It's like buying an apartment like in cash at that point. And obviously most unit owners are not able to do that, right? So what is the option? They have to sell their apartments. So what you see in these land lease buildings is that you have a lot of apartments for sale, especially when they're coming up around that 10 year point where they're going to need to figure this out at the expiration date of the lease you see a lot of apartments in the building available for sale and they are being offered at dirt cheap pricing. So if you see a nice apartment available at like 100 East 57th Street, for example, listed for $300,000 and it's like a beautiful two bedroom apartment, Yeah, when you get into the due diligence information on that building, you are going to find that you likely have an imminent assessment coming up because the building is trying to purchase its land and that assessment could be 500K, it could be a million dollars. It's usually comparative to the size of the apartment within the building, same how maintenance will be more expensive for more desirable units. It's kind of the same way that they would go about assessing unit owners, but yeah, it's gonna be extremely costly. Which brings us to the mortgage approval process for a land lease building. It's really not easy if your expiration is happening soon. If a building has an expiration date that is approaching within the next 10 years or so, it's gonna be extremely difficult for a bank to grant a loan if you're trying to get a mortgage in this building because there's just way too much uncertainty. Most banks are really not gonna be comfortable giving you, let's say, a 30-year fixed mortgage in a building that has this change coming down the pipe within the next 10 years. It's just not reasonable and the amount of risk that the bank would be taking on with the understanding that you may have costs coming up that they don't know if you can afford. It's going to be very tough to get a bank to approve a building that's in this situation. So, what you do see is that the apartments are going for dirt cheap, and usually the people who are buying those apartments are buying them all cash with the understanding that they are also going to have to pay these assessments that are coming up. So, these people who are buying these apartments have a lot of cash on hand, honestly, and that's really the ideal buyer for those types of apartments. Now, I mentioned earlier battery park city does have a lot of land lease buildings and those purchase transactions are done very much like regular purchase transactions because the expiration date is so far out the expiration date is usually at least 30 years away because of that the bank does not have a problem with it at all the bank's not concerned so those are very very easy and it's like you wouldn't even notice that you're in a land lease building aside from the fact that your maintenance might be a little bit higher than you know a comparable unit that's not a land lease building. So that's pretty much it. I'm surprised that that only took like 15 minutes to discuss because it is kind of complicated and I thought that it was going to take a little longer to explain but I'm trying to think if I forgot anything. If any agents are listening or watching and want to add... To this conversation feel free to do so in the comments i think i touched on mostly everything that would occur in new york city so yeah to sum it up really quickly your maintenance might be a little bit higher in a land lease building you're not going to be writing off property taxes the way you would in a regular building that owns its land you are going to have to potentially deal with a lease expiration coming up and therefore renegotiate land for likely a higher price or pay to purchase the land outright, in which case you would incur a huge assessment. And you would have to work through bank approval on a building like this if it was something that you were interested in. Again, these buildings are usually more affordable than buildings with standard situations. And that's because whenever there is like an unknown coming up, you really can't justify as high of a price for the property as you would be able to justify if everything was very predictable. So yeah, that sums it up. If you guys have any other questions, you can always send me an email my email address is christina.kramidis at element.com you should also follow me on instagram that's a good way to get to know each other a little bit better you can see my day-to-day and i also run weekly giveaways on my instagram page and if you got any value out of this episode at all whatsoever please do subscribe to the channel and give this episode a thumbs up it's greatly appreciated leave me a review if you're listening on the podcast anything that you can do to show the podcast players or to show youtube that this content is valuable is immensely appreciated it will help the content be shown to more people and that's of course the goal here it's been very cool to see that we've been building a community here of people who are setting themselves up for a future of financial success by making intelligent real estate investment decisions today stay tuned for the next episode I'm going to continue answering the questions that you send me I have been posting question boxes on my Instagram so if you head over there you'll have the opportunity to reply to my stories and send in your questions as well and the next few videos here will be dedicated to answering your questions thank you guys so much again and see you soon